You're listening to the Sick and Good Podcast. My name is Dustin Messick, RDN. I'm a cancer survivor. My name is Dr. Colin Goodwin, and I'm a cancer survivor. We're discussing topics related to cancer treatment and recovery while promoting wellness. To find a balance between sick and good. That during the cancer process, both can be true. The Sick and Good Podcast is for educational purposes only. The podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen. In this introductory episode, we'll be discussing the impact of cancer on our personal lives, our chosen career paths, and the vision for this podcast. You know, cancer has had a large impact on my personal life. And from a young age, my dad died of cancer just after I turned 13. He was diagnosed in December of 93. And it was a very quick progression of that cancer. And he ended up dying in February of the next year. And from my recollection, I really only remember him having treatment as far as uh, exploratory and emergency surgeries. I don't think he actually had an opportunity to have chemotherapy. He was going to have treatment at the City of Hope. And coincidentally, the, the day that he was scheduled for a doctor's appointment, that's when the Northridge earthquake hit. So they ended up going down to the City of Hope that day, and there was like no one on the road. But yeah, he. Uh, he had a very short and battle with uh, that cancer, and obviously, being thirteen years old, I you know, had just turned thirteen, uh, affected me greatly as to not having a father in my life. And I was then diagnosed with my cancer on my father's birthday, so that is a coincidence there that just seems uh, more so than a coincidence. At the time, I was a uh, going to a local junior college and living fairly close to my parents and had just this ongoing cough. My mom had called it like a toe nail rattling cough, like just forceful and probably pretty gross sounding, right? And so what had really kicked off my cancer treatment and my diagnosis is I, I was living, renting a room, going to college and as college kids will do, I <laughs> was using my parents' house as a place to do laundry and maybe get a meal. And so I was going to carry the laundry to my car to go over to my parents' house to do that. And just from needing to pick up my laundry from my room and carry it to my car, I had to stop to catch my breath three different times. And that just really cued me into that there was a problem. Yeah, earlier that week, I had um, seen my primary care physician and unfortunately was just uh, misdiagnosed with bronchitis. And I think even given maybe even like a CPAC or just a antibiotic, I think of that case. But at that time, when I was taking the laundry to my car and just needing to and stop so many times, I knew that I needed that further medical assistance and needed to really go to an emergency room. 
So when I went to the emergency room, they did a chest x-ray and the technician just kind of came back into the room a little puzzled. She's like, I don't know what this means at all. But the medial spinum distance between the lungs, she had shared that mine was 13 centimeters when it's typically about five centimeters for maybe a male my age at that time. So I remember then asking or having them ask me to lie down so they could do some more tests. And as I was lying down, then I was starting to get short of breath. And I remember really being scared at that point. I'm like, this isn't good. Like, I can't even breathe with that when I'm lying down. So I was then diagnosed, or uh, rather admitted that day and diagnosed with cancer that day. But it wasn't necessarily that they were able to provide my actual diagnosis until a while later. My cancer was a T-cell lymphoblastic lymphoma. It was an aggressive tumor that was in my chest cavity, pushing my lungs apart and wrapped around my heart. And I was told that because of its rapid growth and just aggressiveness that I would need a bone marrow transplant. So I was then initially treated for chemotherapy and was in the hospital for, oh gosh, maybe six weeks for my initial diagnosis. Thankfully, I was able to get the chemotherapy because they said if I had not gone in that day, like I would not have made it. And they told my parents several different times that we'll, we'll start chemo if he makes it through the weekend kind of thing. And then after I was released from the hospital, I had some outpatient chemotherapy. While I had my siblings then test to be a donor for a stem cell transplant or a bone marrow transplant in particular, and as it were, and certainly lucky for me, my my older sister, Melissa, was a perfect match. And so I was able to then have her be my then donor for my bone marrow transplant. And the only hitch there was that Melissa was pregnant with my niece, Sydney, at the time. So I had to wait for her to have Sydney uh, before I could have my bone marrow transplant. So this was 2001. And my sister, Melissa, ended up going into labor early, quite early for Sydney. Sydney was supposed to be born, I think it was like almost around the time that they had circled for a bone marrow transplant the beginning of May. I think her original due date was maybe late April. Sydney decided to come <laughs> into the world on February 11th, which was the day that my dad died, which is another just coincidence there. For me, it really, I think, speaks to that he knew of my treatment. He knew what was going on and in ways was uh, the universe was, was speaking to, to me by having those specific dates align. And so I was able to then have a bone marrow transplant on May 8th in 2001 at the City of Hope. And through several different complications, ended up being in the hospital for four and a half months and then having to really learn to walk again, try to get back in the swing of being a young adult. I mean, at that time I was 20 years old. So it was several years before I was able to comfortably return to school. And yeah, that's uh, my personal experience with my own cancer treatment. I've since had 
lots of people around me that have been diagnosed and had an opportunities to just provide a listening ear or support or kind of just share those same lived experiences with others. But Dustin, I'd love to hear how cancer has uh, affected your life. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that, Colin. I That's a lot of coincidences. Those two coincidences on your dad's birthday that you were diagnosed and then your sister's child was born on the day your father died. You know, some big coincidences there. And also some of your sharing is actually, as I start to share my story a little bit, there's a lot of similarities. Like I was also diagnosed with bronchitis prior to being diagnosed with cancer. Also, mine was a mediastinum cancer and also what received a stem cell transplant as well, which I'll get into in my story. And I think probably the reason why you and I met is, you know, when I first met you, there was some of those similarities, I think, that drew us to each other at the time. So for me personally, the first time I ever heard about cancer was when I was 14 years old, my cousin actually died from cancer. It came on real fast. I think we heard he had skin cancer and within, I think, a year he had passed. And at the time, I remember thinking about cancer as just such a a foreign idea. It was like something that happened to older people. And even my cousin at the time, I think he was in his, he was 41 when he died. It was, he was super young. So to me at the time, I remember my family saying like, oh, this is very uncommon. Cancer is uncommon. It just seems something that could never happen to me. Leading up to being diagnosed, I was for about a year in and out of the hospital. And we, my mom was putting a lot of pressure on our medical care providers to get me an MRI. And it just a lot of pushback. You're a young guy. We think that some of your shortness of breath that you're experiencing is just related to bronchitis. I had also been getting these bad migraines where I'd go blind in the left eye but also was met with, well, you know, tons of young people get migraines. Here is some medication to help you with your migraines. But my mother's intuition, I think, prevailed. She just kept on pushing until we eventually got the MRI, despite kind of the ridicule from my primary at the time. And we finally got got through. And after the MRI, actually, I was pretty much immediately admitted into the hospital and within about a week doing chemotherapy. The doctors had uh, at the time realized that I was pretty much on my deathbed. I was also experiencing some of that shortness of breath. I remember I was working at the time as a host uh, restaurant and just remembering just getting out of breath easily. I was getting these terrible migraines and feeling a lot of nausea at the time. And I remember putting in my my sick leave at the time and being treated at the time like I was lying because I was young. So no one thinks like a young person could get sick. So it was it was a very troubling time. And once doing the chemo, there was a lot of complications. I actually had within my first cycle of chemo, I had like a complication with my small intestine, you know, and obviously I, I came out okay. But every time there's a complication. It's always really serious when you're doing chemotherapy, I think, in my experience personally. Um, I ended up doing four cycles of aggressive chemo. And then I, after actually being denied a few times, I got accepted to do stem cell transplant 
which I remember being very scared of doing the stem cell transplant at the time. And prior to, I think prior to going is when I met Colin to, and kind of that shared what you shared at the time, Colin was very helpful. I think just because it was going into this place of like the unknown and um, doing high dose chemotherapy to follow, follow that period of time was pretty scary. And the stem cell transplant is what I received after doing the treatment to help rebuild my tissues. And then, yeah, having to do some other surgeries to remove some of the cancer. It was all of my treatments were over the span of a year and a half. But there were some, just a lot of stuff that come up during that period. I definitely took a pretty good amount of time off school during that period. Almost all of it. But I was just obsessed with getting back to school. I needed something to pass the time other than just watching like a million movies. So I would say that that's how cancer has impacted my life at this up through that period, which was all in like 2000, 2008, 2007, 2008, uh, not 2000, 2007 through 2008. You had a gamma knife radiation too, didn't you? Oh yeah. You're reminding me. Uh, I had, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had gamma knife radiation. That was, I think on my break, you have these like little breaks between your chemo cycles and they're like, okay, well now we're going to do gamma knife radiation to two parts of my brain. And then actually later on, they actually did do a brain operation into the frontal lobe because I was having headaches later on after I had completed all the chemo. And it ended up just being like, they're like, okay, actually there's no cancer here. The gamma knife radiation did it all. So whoops, we didn't need to do the surgery. And I ended up being fine. I just couldn't watch TV for like a month after doing the surgery. And I guess I also had thoracic surgery to remove the leftover cancer after, and they removed the tumor that was in the mediastinum, which was like the size of like a baseball. And then after that, I was cancer-free. After that, I was like done after that last surgery. Anything else I'm leaving out, Colin, that you you remember me saying? Oh gosh, no. But uh, it, it's funny how over time we just sort of forget about our own experiences. And for me, you know, it's been over 20 years since I had my bone marrow transplant. But what I wanted to speak to is uh, kind of uh, my role on the podcast and, and my credentials and really kind of just speak to how my cancer experiences have uh, shaped my career. Prior to then being diagnosed, my, my thought was I wanted to be a marine biologist. I, I was uh, just getting my general education out of the way. And, and my thought was, uh, you know, I'm going to start taking some biology courses and, and that would be my, my path. Now with my, my cancer treatment, taking me out of school for, I, I think I did go, go back to school for three years and having these side effects and, and late effects of treatment, specifically having had a diagnosis of congestive heart failure, interstitial pneumonitis, I think is the, the term I might have that maybe confused. I, I'm not sure what the, the latest diagnosis is, if it's pulmonary fibrosis. At any rate, just having limited air capacity, having foot drop from nerve damage in my foot. Really, it was a wake-up call that I wasn't able to really do the things that I thought a marine biologist would be doing or I would be wanting to do to go on scuba dives or to just be in the field. So from there, like I returned to school and, and 
took a introduction to psychology course with some friends when I had an opportunity just to return to college and kind of fell in love and found my passion and being able to feel like I was able to, to help others. One aspect of my treatment I find that was particularly driving me in the course of my career is that as a young adult, I really did feel like I was kind of in the middle. There's more patients that are diagnosed with childhood cancers and, and older adults. And then I was 19 when I was diagnosed, 20 when I was, got my bone marrow transplant and really kind of felt isolated and didn't see anyone my age and kind of felt that I needed to talk with other people that are other people that were my age that have had uh, similar experiences. So from there, I you know, wanted to continue doing research with adolescents and young adults, specifically psychosocial uh, interests. And I recently completed my doctorate in clinical psychology from California Lutheran University. And I've been working in a healthcare system in the South Bay in California. I work primarily as a general then clinician and the adult psychiatry department, but I have just carried on that interest in, in having research done with the cancer population and hoping to continue that research into my current position. One thing I'm actually looking at having introduced in the service area is uh, looking at a group intervention uh, using telehealth specifically for cancer survivors and managing chronic pain. But I'd love to hear your role on the podcast, Dustin, and, and kind of just what has led you down the path for your career. Thank you, Colin. Uh, yeah, so, you know, my cancer experience has definitely shaped my career a lot. I'd say prior to being diagnosed with cancer, I kind of think I saw myself going in like more of like a musical direction, which is something I did try to pursue for a little bit after my diagnosis. Either saw that direction or maybe like sociology or something. I did contemplate nutrition a little bit after taking my health class in my first semester of JC. And, but then like everything is like chemistry and like biology and physiology and just being more of a creative type person. It just didn't seem in the cards at the time. But after doing all of like the, the treatment and the chemo, then it was like, well, if I can survive that, then I think I can just push through some biology and chemistry courses in order to get to like the nutrition courses, which are like down the line. It's like two and a half years of just these science classes that I didn't want to take at the time. And then again, to the nutrition, but actually I realized pretty short after taking a few courses that I actually really enjoyed all the science, surprisingly enough. And I still do play music, but it just isn't a career. It's more of a hobby. I uh, like to write vitamin nutrition songs and I have music videos on uh, YouTube about nutrition. So if you're looking for a really good vitamin D video, I've, I've got a song all about vitamin D. So. And yeah, I think not long after that is after college, then I did my supervised hours. I also, prior to my nutrition bachelor's, I had an associate's with an emphasis in social and behavioral science, also had some interest in becoming a therapist. And I have 
still very interested in psychology to this day, uh, something I have played around with. But, you know, my role in this podcast is more to provide kind of that nutritional side of things. I do work in Southern California. I got my license. Well, it's actually in the state of California called a registration. So I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, passed my exam back in December 2019, and I've been working in Southern California in the healthcare setting since. So I just hope to continue to provide kind of that nutritional angle when it comes to cancer. So yeah, after explaining a little bit about my career path and my credentials, I think that this is a good segue to discuss what we envision as the purpose of the podcast. For me personally, this podcast will be just an opportunity to share my cancer experiences, to have some conversations with healthcare professionals promoting wellness while incorporating my area of expertise as a registered dietitian nutritionist. But what about you, Colin? What what do you feel like the purpose of this podcast is? I think you put it well in, in saying that it's an opportunity to explore these cancer-related topics with healthcare professionals. You know, I really want this to be a place for some education or information, perhaps even inspiration in having our shared experiences of uh, cancer treatment while also looking at the topics through the lens of my particular area of study, which is clinical psychology. Our podcast will discuss topics related to cancer treatment and the recovery process, including diagnosis, family support, resources, medications, and nutrition. We aspire to have conversations pertinent and relevant to the cancer journey.